It's Thursday, February 17th. This is e-commerce blitz week on Commerce, Along with some snazzy intros. Do you want to sell your products across a multitude of Shopify stores? We interviewed David Perry on how Caro connects participating Shopify stores. This is done to enable cross-store selling or the ability for like-minded partners to sell each other's products without the need for inventory, managing returns, or minimum order quantities. Sell your products on the leading stores. Sell your products on yours or both. You can also discover and work with a massive list of top influencers with the free Caro Influencer Partnership Service. And now, your free joke. My friend Tony asked me not to say his name backwards. I asked him, why not? I'll let you guys work on that one later. Talk Commerce is supported by the Magento Association. Join today at magentoassociation.org forward slash join. This episode is brought to you by the e-commerce unconference happening on April 8th in Orlando, Florida. This is a platform agnostic event and all are invited. An unconference is a conference where you decide on the speakers and the topics which are to be presented. We already have some great sponsors and supporters. JetRails and WebScale are our headline sponsors this year. We have an educational sponsor from Swift Otter and platform supporters from Shopware and Big Commerce. That's unconf.us and get your ticket. Capacity is limited. Use the promo code TalkCommerce to get a fantastic, unbelievable discount. Make this a weekend vacation while attending the fun event. That's April 8th in Orlando, Florida, and I've heard there are some theme parks that are nearby. That's unconf.us. The Talk Commerce podcast is sponsored by Swift Otter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet Swift Otter. Swift Otter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento Certification Study Materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at swiftotter.com. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Today I have David Perry. David is the CEO of Caro. Um, it is a new e-commerce partnership network used by more than 30,000 Shopify brands. David, go ahead, introduce yourself, do a better job than I did, and maybe tell us one of your passions in life. 
Yeah, no, thanks so much for inviting me. Um, yeah, um, my passions, let's do that. Um, it turns out I have this crazy idea that you should try everything. It actually helps in business. Um, so if you're like, someone says, let's go parachute jumping, you're like, I don't want to do that, then you have to do it. If someone says, let's go scuba diving, you got to do it, um, water skiing, whatever it is. And the reason is at some point in business, you're going to be sitting in a room with somebody um, or on a plane with somebody and you will have immediate rapport with them if you're into the things that they're into. If you say, you know, I've, I've been on a plane and a guy's sitting reading a water skiing magazine. And so, you know, can you survive that conversation? Um, you know, do you have stories to tell? And if you do, you're going to have immediate rapport with that individual. And so that's the kind of, it's actually a fun business tip. And it's actually a fun thing to do when you're sitting on an airplane to look to the guy to your side. I'll give you one really quick example is on an airplane, guy sitting next to me, I'm like, okay, here we go. And I start trying to like, what are you into? What do you do? What's your hobby? And the guy says, um, I'm into iron ore. And, and I, I literally sat there and went, oh, I've got nothing. <laughs> like you've got you've got me and then I, I noticed he was playing a um, a tennis game on a, on a little handheld and I said oh I, I know the people who made that tennis game and he goes oh I invested into this game um, like I invested and I'm from the game industry and off we go we start talking and then he invites me hey when we get to New York I've bought seats at Madison Square Garden to see you too tonight would you like to join me <laughs> and suddenly you're sitting like in these amazing seats uh, watching you too going, I'm glad I started that conversation up, right? And so that's, that's so think of it as a bit of a game, but it's really fun. And that's why you need to, to collect as many experiences as you, as you possibly can. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's such a great uh, skill, not a skill, but it's just something that as an entrepreneur, it should be a necessity in your life. Um, and I'm part of entrepreneurs organization. So I'm, I'm in front of entrepreneurs all the time. Um, mm -hmm. And learning that if you are stagnant in your growth potential, meaning you're not you're not interested in learning new things, you don't think you can learn. And I think that part about I don't think I can learn is the first step in I'm never going to learn anything and then I'm never going to do anything new and then I'm not going to grow. And believe it or not, the world changes. Iron ore, you know, my wife is from Duluth, so iron ore is part of that northwest minnesota or northeast minnesota blood uh if if you were stuck in the way that we did things at the turn of the century then you are going to be stuck in in that way so that's a great great uh great point and and great uh great story thank you for that um so tell us a little bit about your business um i know that um you are um shopify is a big part of your business tell us a little bit about that yeah, so what happened was I, my last company was, um, the idea was, I was in the game industry and we were thinking about what's the future of games and someday they're going to all be streamed just like everything else. So you'll have instant access to every video game. So we decided just to go ahead and start building that technology and Sony ended up buying the company. And so I, I my plan at that point was to retire. I built myself this amazing man cave with like woodworking and metalworking and, and 3D printing and everything and I'm ready to go. And, uh, and, and one of the things I built was a photo studio and I started taking photographs of people, but no one cared about my pictures at all until I started taking pictures of influencers. And when you take pictures of influencers, suddenly you get like all these people like, can you introduce me to this guy? I want to marry him. And they're, they're just so in love with the influencers. And 
it, it was kind of fun for me because I'm, I'm, I have these people in my room and you'll, and they tend to travel in groups. Um, like my daughter would bring a friend over who's an influencer and they bring four more with them. And so in my studio, there's 15 million followers worth of influencers. And, and I had, I had gone to see Ed Sheeran at concert and Ed Sheeran had the Rose Bowl and the Rose Bowl was somewhere between 60 to 90,000 people, but it's, it's a lot of people. I mean, when you, when you're in the Rose Bowl, everyone looks tiny because there's just so many people. And, and, and then you're like, but that's only 60 to 90,000. They have 15 million, just these kids in my studio right now. And they can speak every day. Ed Sheeran can't do this Rose Bowl every day. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's, it caused me to really get interested in that space. And I, and I talked to them and I found that the one, the one complaint that they have or the one big problem they have is that they just can't get to work with the brands they want to work with. They're always being approached by brands they've never heard of. And so, hey, sell my candles. You have to, I don't even want you to think about what to say. You're, this is what you're gonna say. You're gonna say it at 12 p.m., et cetera, et cetera. And, it, and it's just not, they can't do that. It feels like they're constantly um, sort of hawking to their poor audience that, that knows they don't even use this product. So. That, that was what got me interested and I ended up, um, I was helping students um, as an investor, I was in a room full of entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial students and on the other side of the room was an entrepreneur who was pitching um, a company that, that works with influencers. So you can imagine this is quite, quite interesting to me. So we ended up um, you know, meeting offsite and he asked me, would I like to join him and be the CEO of this company? And so that's, that's what got me into it. And what we did is we created a technology that allows um, that, that basically what we're doing is we're trying to work out using you know all the methods we possibly can to understand which brands and influencers are already you know really liking each other. So which which brands and influencers have a connection already, and then we introduce the two. We've done this seven million times now. It was partly inspired by an influencer called Casey Neistat, who who was on YouTube. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but He's, he was very big on YouTube, um, one of the first real um, vloggers on YouTube. And what happened is he took a flight once and uh, he was, uh, it was on Emirates Airlines and somebody pointed to him from Emirates and said, that's Casey Neistat. So they gave him a first class ticket. If you go first class on Emirates, you get to take a shower while you fly. And so he, he made this video and it went super viral um got uh, with with that and the subsequent videos i think he had about 120 million views the last time i looked um and, and and that all came about because some individual at the airline pointed at him and said that's casey neistat if if that person didn't point to him that would never have happened and they would have never had their 120 million views so our thought process was could we do that using technology so we're pointing to that, you know, see that customer there, that's a really important customer. That guy's an influencer and he buys your stuff and he loves what you're doing. Um, so that's what we we, uh, we built. And the, the result is then the, the brand reaches out to the influencer and says, please stop buying our products. Here's a, here's a link and you can now shop for free. And that's all powered by us. So brands have already given over a million dollars worth of product out that way. But what happened was COVID hit and what we'd really solved is the attention problem. Like, how do you get more attention for your brand without having to pay um, um, street advertising? Um, and so COVID hit and we realized that attention is wonderful, but sales are better. So how can we get them sales? Like, just, just please get me more sales. 
And what happened there was um, we, we looked at the network and today our network has over 400 million visitors every month. So if you think of our brands, our 30,000 brands as a network, um, hitting the edge of that network is, is 400 million people every month. So our thought was if, you're, if you have all that traffic, why don't we have the brands collaborate so, so that they can push their products into each other's traffic? So, you know, you sell bicycles, I make helmets, you don't have helmets. Can you sell my helmets? And, and I'll, I'll, you know, my inventory becomes your inventory. And by doing so, I'm pushing my helmets into your traffic. And how many bike stores and skateboard stores and people will take my helmets? And, and that, that concept is something we just literally stopped everything and just went full bore on delivering that, the, the technology to make that possible. It's incredibly complex because you have to deal with different um, software stacks. Each brand tends to have its own stack of utilities and, and tools that they want to use. So to wire it all together uh, has taken quite a substantial amount of work, um, but we've got it working and we just, just survived Black Friday. Uh, we I think we hit it like two and a half times November just in or two and a half times October just in November because of Black Friday. But um, that idea of cross-selling means that brands can start to think about what is it that they don't sell. So if you sell makeup, if you don't sell brushes for makeup, then 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 people are just going to go to Amazon and buy it anyway. So why why don't you participate in the sales of the things that go with your products? And the, and there's a bit of a cheat to work that out is you'll you'll see a brand have something on their website like they'll sell frozen baby food but their pictures all have babies with bibs on and you're like why don't you sell bibs too like wh why has that ever crossed your mind the answer is no that's never crossed their mind so we have to sort of come in and say i guarantee you there's parents going i love that bib i wish i wonder where i could buy that bib and off they go on amazon and start looking for it um, if you sell it and you sell those those additional products your average order value goes up and your average order value, as you know, is life and death in e-commerce. Like if you if you can get, because obviously getting someone to come and actually purchase from you is hard, but if you get somebody and you can add extra sales, that's all straight net profit because you're not you're actually just effectively selling a virtual item. Um, you know this this helmet is actually going to be shipped by the other company, so you never had to actually buy the helmet up front. Um, that means that you're you're getting pure net profit added to your average order value. And that unlocks your marketing. So the more you can get per customer, the more you can spend per customer. And uh, and so we find that this is a really healthy loop that we're in. So you can see, we, we basically as a company um, started with awareness and we found ourselves thanks to COVID focused very aggressively on helping sales. Um, but but this, is, this has turned out to be really good. PayPal just invested in our company. Um, so, you know, this idea of helping businesses grow is uh, is just the core DNA of what we do. And so the future features that we're working on now are all designed, again, to help brands grow. A couple of those features really quick. One is, um, is bundling. So you can actually now, if you're an influencer, you could create your all day, like uh, let's say you're a Mariah Carey, you could create Mariah Carey's all day skincare bundle. And, and that can be sold uh, by different retailers. Um, but it's a bundle of products from different brands within the network. And so um, that's cool. Another one is um, is uh, upselling. Um, it turns out that today everyone recommends products from their own store. I understand why you would do that. But if you're recommending products from your own store, then it's very common that, you know, I'm selling an electric toothbrush. 
So I'm going to, I'm going to upsell an electric shaver because I'm an electric company, right? So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep recommending other weird things that, that aren't really related to that toothbrush. Um, the highest converting thing, um, at, at this time with an electric toothbrush is Kendall Jenner's toothpaste. Um, so because we are able to, uh, to, to, to think of everything as a network and not as an individual brand, we can then say, would you like, would you like to actually sell something that's going to convert with that, with that toothbrush? The answer is Kendall Jenner's toothpaste. Um, and you know, that's network-based recommendations and that's way more powerful than just regurgitating your your same stuff over and over and over. Yeah, I like how you positioned that. So um, how do you ensure that a company that is cross-selling, okay, so let me let me just, let me first get this, uh, understand this. Um, in the in the Kendall Jenner, Jenner toothpaste thing, you would you would suggest somebody like Philips with their with their brush, their whatever electric toothbrush, that at the end they would recommend that the person would buy this Kendall Jenner's toothpaste. I'm assuming that yeah. the toothpaste would be sold on the Philips branded or whoever whoever the the electric toothbrush brand would have the the Kendall Jenner in stock you wouldn't send them to another place where they would they would purchase it from them or would so, you offer them a coupon or something like at that point or some kind of a no so what happens is we the way our tech works it, um, I should be really clear on that so the way the tech works imagine you're the retailer and you sell the toothpaste or let's think uh, let's say you sell a helmet for a bicycle um, but you don't make the helmets, you've partnered with a helmet company within our network, then what happens behind the scenes? If in the product description page, it says to be fulfilled by our friends at a thousand helmets, for example. And what happens is when the order is complete and you've checked out, then we break the order apart to any partners that are, are in that stack. So if you bought a bicycle plus a helmet, the helmet order goes to the helmet company and they drop ship that, that to you. And again, this is not drop shipping from China. This is actually from a real brand, you know, like a high quality brand that, that this bicycle company has chosen to uh, to partner with. But that so that product will arrive from them. Long term, what's going to happen? Like, let's say you buy gloves and a helmet. What's going to happen in the future um, is Shopify is working on on their own fulfillment system. It's called Shopify fulfillment. And that fulfillment system is like Amazon, big warehouses, super smart. And, and the goal is, to, is uh, you know, for us, we would want the helmets and the gloves to go in the same box and be delivered next day. Um, so, the, you know, I love that somebody's actually going and investing the money to go make that happen. But, but ultimately, that we have this very simple rule, which is you really don't want to move products around until they sell. And the reason for that is that's one of the biggest margin killers is when you're moving, moving, like which helmets do you buy? Which colors? Let's say, let's say, let's play this out. Like I, I own a bike company. I'm going to buy your helmets, but now I'm, I'm like, mm, I'm only going to take these two colors because I think that's what my audience will want. And I'm only going to take your, your most common sizes because I don't want to be left with any in my warehouse. It, the way we do it is we're actually connecting the inventory of the helmet company right into your bike store. So now you have all the colors and all the sizes and all the and all the, the categories. And you can literally just um, then you can work out what your audience actually wants to buy. And long term, if helmets really start selling, then you should make your own helmet. Like you, you, this is giving you a great way to work out 
you know, what your, what your audience buys, what colors they want, what sizes they want, and then you can go make your own. Um, that's, that's perfectly okay as well. Is there a concern from the merchant, uh, that the, um, the, the, the complimentary product will get then not stolen, but somebody big enough. So a great example is Amazon. Amazon mm -hmm. sells something from somebody. It's a great seller. Amazon thinks to themselves, Hey, I'm just going to make this product myself and I'm going to start selling it. Now they've, they've pretty much pushed the seller out of the market because Amazon has bigger muscle. Is there a concern from the merchant on that? And how, if there, I mean, if there is, how do you, how do you stop that from happening? Like, for example, if, if you wanted to develop your own helmet, how do you stop, you know, this great, I can see helmets are selling great. It was a great test case because they didn't actually have to inventory anything. How do you stop them from essentially hijacking that helmet and, and doing it for themselves? Well, the first thing we're going to offer is um, is two template contracts. Uh, this is something we're working on now, um, where you, they can actually just do a deal directly with that helmet company to white label or gray label that helmet. So that's the lowest friction way to get it done, um, which means that now I have a version with my logo on it, um, or both our logos on it, depending on the deal. And, um, and then the other way would be that they could go and make the product, and that's perfectly okay. The only time it becomes dangerous is if we built products and uh, or to start competing with the brands in our network and that's something we will never do that is i have no interest at all we have to remain switzerland we are so incredibly trusted by the brands in our network the last thing in the world we're going to do is mess with that trust and that's something that i think amazon has made um, an error there because they're building so many private labels to compete with every category um, on their platform. So if you're making white socks and you're making a lot of money, um, I hate I, I hate to say it, but Amazon's going to make a private label at some point and take on, you know, compete directly with your white socks. And good luck the day after that happens. And and so then you say, well, that's not really a, a big issue because you know there's lots of categories. Um, there's an, a good example I found on Amazon, which is if you if you have leather and you want to stamp letters into into the leather. Um, uh, those leather stamps come in a little box and it turns out there's an Amazon um, set of leather stamps now. And so I think that's hilarious because it's like whatever category you're in, how safe do you feel knowing they've already done leather stamps? <laughs> right. that's, that's concerning. Um, and what they do is they come in and they offer you a, a similar product at less, uh, at less price. And of course, they control um, all the eyeballs on their platform. So ultimately, Amazon is going to win that. Um, it's very much like Costco building the Kirkland brand. Um, imagine Costco had a hundred brands that you didn't know the names of. You wouldn't realize that that they're taking over the whole store. Um, but that's what that's what uh, um, Amazon's effectively doing. So ultimately, there's a lot of brands out there, and there will be a lot more brands that move out onto the, the internet and have to build their own customer database because Amazon owns all their customers. Um, I think it's interesting there's, there's people rolling up and buying Amazon brands, but they're not actually buying any customers because they're all owned by, by Amazon. On platforms like Magento and, um, and Shopify, those, those companies are actually building real customer databases of their own. And I, and I believe in the future, the influencers are going to be brands too. Um, today, they're treated like billboards. 
people just tell them what to do. You know, here's a thousand dollars, say what I want you to say. Um, that's not, I think, the future. I think that the influencers will end up realizing that they need to know who they influence, you know, sending their clicks off um, to, to other platforms and never having a relationship with those customers is a terrible mistake. So if you're a professional influencer and you don't know who you influence and you can't remarket that list of people that you influence to the next brand deal that you do, like I've sold 100,000 electric bikes, um, you know, would you like to work with me, electric bike company? The answer would be, oh my goodness, yes. But they can't do that because all they say is, you know, well, I've sent a lot of clicks off to, uh, to, to random stores and I, I don't know what happened or, or I don't know who those people are. That's not good. And, and so by being the retailer and having their own store, then they own the customer and they keep the retailer cut. So they're not getting an affiliate cut. Today, when people work with influencers, they tend to give them an affiliate deal. So they get a small percentage, three, five percent, sometimes 10 percent. A typical retailer cut is 30, 35 percent um, and sometimes way more if it's makeup or something like that. But it depends on the category that they're in. Um, and so the uh, the idea of making 10 times more and owning the customers, it's no it's not surprising that the real professional influencers already do this. The, 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 the 99% of influencers don't do this yet. And I put a yet on it. I think in 2022, that awakening is coming. And I think the growth potential for Magento and Shopify and platforms like that is incredible um, as these people start to realize that they, you know, that the professional influencers are all doing this now. They have their own, um, they have their own brands, they have their own stores, they have their own customers. And they and then they can sell directly into social media. Yeah, and I think you you bring up a great point too. And, and over the last you know 10, 15 years, I, I, more than twenty years now for Amazon, but for Amazon FBA especially, um, it has gone from merchants thinking, oh, this is going to be my savior, to merchants thinking, oh man, I gotta, I want to get customers back on my own site because number one, I don't own them on Amazon, and number two. Uh, there's a potential of Amazon taking away my customers and 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 taking away my other potential products. So you know, I think that you bring up a great point about how merchants need to be thinking about how they brand themselves and how they keep those customers. what What are you telling them in terms of um, well, let's talk about Shopify. So Shopify is building out their own. Uh, fulfilled by it would be fps fulfilled by shopify if they're <laughs> yes. building out their own network um uh do they potentially have run into the same problems that they would run with amazon i suppose they don't because it's not really a marketplace uh and no. it does help them um yeah i don't see i i think shopify their their idea is to build the tools for you to build your business and that is a very helpful and useful thing for for them to be doing and so we support that fully. We love their platform and, and we're doing everything we can do possibly to help um, enable commerce for, for business. Um, but yeah, the, the, there's one other thing that's happening on Amazon is that um, you may be doing great and you may not be worried about Amazon at all. So like, that's fine. Um, but what may happen is your, your, your actual manufacturer in China can now go direct to Amazon and just cut you out of the loop. And that's also something that's happening a lot. When you talk to FBA brands, you're going to hear that um, that they're, you know, you can imagine that's a terrible day. You wake up and your 
the exact product you're selling is now way cheaper because all of you you're just cut out of the loop and why would they go through you when they can go direct there's no there's no point in that at all so as the manufacturers realize that's that's the way to play um, on the Amazon platform, it's going to get harder and harder for those FBA brands to survive. And that's why I think platforms like uh, Shopify are so critical because brands are going to have to, to do it the hard way and build a real brand with real customers and make the customers happy and, um, you, know, build, you know, build loyalty and et cetera, et cetera. And so that's why um, I, I think it's going to be really fun to watch over the next, uh, and, and as influencers start to get involved too, and you know, as brands work out how to work with them correctly and not treat them like, like uh, billboards, I think will be, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of attention available. If you think about an influencer's store, um, imagine this influencer is great at selling um, electric bikes. Um, in reality, they're not going to put 50 electric bikes in their store. They're probably going to post their favorite, or the one they ride every day. Um, and so it's going to be like hallowed ground, I think. So the brands that move early and can get their feet in and get those, get those slots in the influencer stores and where all the attention is swirling around, um, I would say that those are gonna be very successful relationships for them. Uh, we have some very um, uh, interesting influencers that have reached out to us as one uh, who invested in our, in our company. And uh, he has 73,000 influencers that follow him. So there's, it's actually quite an interesting space. There's influencers of influencers. Um, and, uh, and so we, we find it um, uh, kind of fascinating, but I, I think they're going to become critical. And I'm, I'm sort of hearing that from in the investment community, they're all starting to realize that social commerce is going to be big. Um, and you know, by making it easy, that's, a, that's going to be a very valuable thing. I want to, I want to, step back and I know in the very beginning you had talked about how do you are people choosing influence your your platform helps to choose those influences and how choosing an influencer is number one important but it's also very difficult to to know is this person the right person for you uh, I've got a great story about uh, about um, how how you could choose the wrong influencer and and this is no this is not I mean okay so uh, my wife and I are both runners and my wife got third in her age group in, in the Mumbai marathon. It's a big marathon, you know, 30,000 runners. And we were at the, in traditionally at the end of a marathon, you can travel with your medals. So the only time you ever get to wear it. So we're both wearing our finishers medals. And the person said, Oh, you ran it. And did you win? My wife said, no, I got third in the age group. And it's like, Oh my gosh, we have to get our picture. This is so great. You know, we have mm -hmm. to, well, the, you know, the person that won the race, didn't wear the probably didn't wear the medal they could have been behind us in line they wouldn't have known any better and but if they would have that that person is a much better in not that my wife's not a good influencer but she wouldn't have posted that anywhere so getting that person getting that right person and then determining when that right person is the person that you should be interacting with uh, from an American Airlines standpoint I'm sure it was great it was great customer service to recognize somebody, but from a, a from a social media standpoint, influencer standpoint, you want to get that person to to help you to build your brand and to and to help to uh, to repurpose that, right? So um, maybe go back to to saying how what is the best strategy for a merchant to choose those influencers? 
and and talk a little bit you about know it's that. funny it's I, I love that you're asking that question because because honestly a lot of brands don't ask that question and that's a very very important question is uh which is the right influencer for my brand and I guess that, that obviously it's great that the influencer cares about your brand, but you still have to ask yourself that question. Um, who's the right one? Because it's we, we have brands with 7,000 influencers that we found um, for them. And so of the 7,000, um, you know, which are you going to work with? And the answer is kind of interesting, which is that that we'll see somebody say, look, I need to sell this bikini, so I'm going to hire the most beautiful model I can possibly hire. And I'm going to get her to wear my bikini and I'm going to push all my chips in on this. So I'm going to put our whole marketing budget on, on this model because she's a famous model, very popular and big on social media. And they do that and then no sales come in. And the reason that no sales come in is because they never ask themselves who is following that really beautiful model and the answer is not guys generally don't buy bikinis and so their, their audience is generally male and so that creates this problem uh, which is it's a very expensive lesson um, in learning that we see it as well with celebrities you, you know why are people following this girl and it's actually because she's dating somebody who's super famous right <laughs> that's why they're actually that's where the core of their followers is from, is the guy that, that, that they're dating. Um, and because everyone wants to see what they say. Um, they're not following them for advice on, on, a, on what to buy in a certain category. And so y y there, is, there is some you know, pause for thought before you pull the trigger with specific influencers. But if you find that, that an influencer is very much operating within the space that you're in like the and and you know that their audience is going to have some match to what you're doing then those are usually the ones you want to you want to work with but what i don't suggest is you go sign a big ambassador deal and spokesmodel deal with them just uh just do a test with them and that's that's what our platform is really all about is actually just having a very simple exchange you know you love our brand please don't um you know, please don't buy our products anymore. Here's here's a, a link to shop for free. What happens is we also ask the influencer, when you get these products, what are you going to do with them? It's called a micro commitment in the psychology world, um, which is more than nothing. So it's not a contract. We don't make them sign a contract. And it turns out that's really painful to do with influencers. But getting them to say, well, I'll do a post, a story or a review um, is actually a micro commitment. And then it's wonderful to see the ones that do. And so it allows you in a way to look at your 7,000 influencers and start going, I'm liking the look of this one. Let's try that one. Let's try this one. Let's try this one. And then you get to see what they do. And if you like what they do, then, then create a relationship with them. By all means, make a contract with them. Facebook ended up writing a success story on Caro. If you go to Facebook for developers, you'll see in there, um, they, they did a whole piece on us. And it's it, what's happening is we're not trying to be an agency so we're not trying to limit people's ability to communicate we're trying the exact opposite which is to get as much communication as possible between these people so they can work out and we don't even charge by the way for this piece of our, our platform so this is free um, but the idea is to try to help them discover those the, you know the perfect influencers for them and 
you know, it's usually quite an exciting thing for them to see who they've been interacting with that they haven't quite realized just how important they are. Um, so I, I like this point. Um, so, you know, coming back to the merchant point of view, um, they shouldn't expect a, a, an immediate ROI on an influencer, but there should be a way to test that influencer. And it sounds like yeah. you're saying it's a little bit subjective from the merchant standpoint. You like There has to be a point of you have to like what they're doing and their messaging has to be good, but they should also there should be some objective way of making sure that they're sending you some business. Is, oh, there, is, there, yeah. is there a balance between your brand and what does that brand mean? And there's not a, there's not a definitive way to get an ROI on the brand ding, but there is a way to get an ROI on products you're selling and attributing that influencer to that product sale, right? Yeah, so if you think of us as an introduction system, really, um, if you have a specific way that you are some service or you like using codes or your links or whatever, then it's fine. You can do that. Um, over time, um, my my ultimate sort of goal for this network that we're building is that the network starts to help each other. So that would be my dream for 2022, 2023, is that, that the experts in different areas start to to help each other um, so they can work out like what is the best management software for influencers um, you know and how to use it uh, those kind of things so that they can they can start to uh, you know what you realize I was on the, the board of the video game developers conference for 10 years and what you realize is just how much people are willing to share do you remember when clubhouse i don't know if you ever used that clubhouse the, are you aware of that yeah yeah um, clubhouse is yeah it, when that is thing it gone now well, I didn't know it, it It launched and it went it went crazy. But what was that was very much to I've do with the scarcity. Of, I've hosted I've hosted yeah. some clubhouse, uh, whatever it's called. Yes. Well, but you see, that's my point. Is that and, and in that case, you'll have seen it too, which is just how many people are willing to share on every possible topic. Like, and there's people whose whole life is devoted to that thing that they're about to talk about, and uh, and we want to unlock that so that brands can help each other as a network. And um, I think if we can get to that point where the sharing is really happening, um, I, I think that the value of the network to, to a brand that's just moved into the space and is, is just gonna be phenomenal. Because um, sometimes even just getting told, um, like I, I, on Clubhouse, I remember I went on there and, and people were showing us their, their stores and they were taking their pictures of their products with their iPhone and you're just like, oh, these pictures are terrible. I mean, you would obviously we didn't say it like that, but they were terrible. And and so then you go, well, here's a link to a company that will do that professionally for you effortlessly. And and it will make your site look 10 times better. The value of that link to them, to us, it's nothing here. You know, there's the link. Um, but to them, that's a game changer for their business. And so, you know, you sort of think of that at scale in every dimension, how they can be helped with any problem or issue or thing that they need. And so that, that's why the community is going to really matter as we continue to grow. I like what you said. So to unlock the ability for, um, for a merchant to share or for anybody to share about a topic uh, transparently. I think, you know, if you, think, if you look back in the software world um, and if you're in the gaming world, it's similar. Microsoft was a very closed uh, ecosystem and it was never, you, you never thought about, I'm gonna build this new fun shopping cart 
and then I'm going to make it open source so everybody can help me contribute to it. No, I'm going to make the shopping cart. I'm going to do it all by myself, and then I'm going to sell it, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to encrypt the code so nobody can look at it and do anything with it. And then it comes along, you know, OS Commerce and Magento uh, that said, no, you know, we're going to do we're going to make it open source, and we're going to share it with everybody so everybody can contribute to it. It is two different approaches where you have one thing that's closed and one thing that's open. And I think this unlocking this, I think the ability or sharing transparently across this helps everybody grow. And the thought that, no, if I tell somebody they're going to, they're going to know something about my intellectual property, or they're going to take one of my ideas or whatever that is, uh, is, is a notion that is stuck in the 2000s or, or the, the, the 20th century, right? Um, maybe you could maybe comment a little bit about that and how we need to move forward in, in thinking and, and we need to be more transparent. And, uh, and I think what you said earlier about communicating across this platform is, is one of the most important parts. Well, in, in, I mean, in reality, you're doing it. This is what you're actually doing. You're, you're helping share ideas and helping people communicate. You're, you're introducing people to other people. Um, I'm sure they get lots of reach outs after one of your podcasts. And so this is, this is just another example of, of how this is the, this is where the world is going is and, uh, at the game developers conference. Some of the games they're working on weren't even finished yet. And they were already telling us how they were doing it because they're very proud of, of some technology they've come up with. And it's not, um, your immediate thought is, yeah, but everyone's just going to copy you. And the answer is, well, not really. It's actually very hard. The guy's been working on it for two years, but he's trying to help you see how to do, you know, advanced things. And um, and I don't know, it, somehow it works and they get they get a lot of acclaim for doing it and they feel really good for doing it. And um, I think they grow. One of the things that I learned in life is one of the best things to do is to try to teach because you think you know a subject until you try to teach it. I, I mean, I used to do scuba diving as a hobby and I sort of worked my way up the tree until I was teaching scuba diving. And, and I remember the first time I ever stepped on stage to give a presentation on respiration and circulation. And, um, and, and the questions started coming in. <laughs> I thought I understood it all, but, but when the questions come flying in, you're like, oh, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. And suddenly I'm, I'm back home trying to learn the subject properly and uh and that's why it's really really valuable i'm a, a little bit jealous actually of what you do because you get to meet lots of interesting people and and, and sort of cherry pick really cool ideas as you hear them i like to do this from the entrepreneurial side so um i'll have entrepreneurs pitch me an idea that they they, they want to raise money on or they're excited about and then i i'm listening to the idea and then i pitch it back to them and we get into those sort of fun conversations and so to me that's that's being at the sort of the tip of the spear where, where where you know new things are happening and you're finding out about it pretty quick and then you're starting to process that which gives you a vision on when the where the world is really going um and so i think the more conversations you have the more it sort of sets you up to really understand um and be able to to predict where things are going yeah, I'm just keying in on vision of where the world is going. And as an entrepreneur, you know, going all the way back to the beginning of our conversation where you talked about how you have to learn new things. And if you don't learn new things, you're stuck. 
Um, and I'm, you know, uh, there, there's groups of people that are still using buggies, right? At some point they decided we're not going to use electric things. We're just going to stick in buggies and we're going to, we're going to run everything without electricity. Uh, you know, my question is always like, why did they decide they can use a handsaw, but they can't use a phone or they can't use a light switch, right? That some, it, as an entrepreneur, do we, do we decide we're not going to grow anymore and, uh, I'm not going to use a iPhone. I'm going to use a flip phone, right? We have to always think I'm going to use the next thing, or at least I'm going to try it, and I'm going to start learning about it because that is part of our world and and being able to sell into that world. Uh, you have to know about it, and you're not going to be effective in that in doing that. Yeah. So um, it's funny because I really feel strongly about that um, with things like um, photography, there's a lot of photographers think that Photoshop is evil. It's actually evil. And, and the reason it's evil is because they don't know how to use it and they don't really know what it does and they've never learned how to use it and they're never going to learn how to use it. So therefore it can be evil forever. Um, and if they ever actually used it for a moment, they would see how incredibly helpful it is at making adjustments and, and what's so funny is there's pictures out there of uh, famous uh, photographs that have been taken with film and then put into, a, um, you know, getting developed in a, in a dark room. And they have circles all around it where they want them to sort of create more contrast or lighten or darken. So they're actually doing it physically on, on, on actual film, like, like effectively dodging and burning and, and uh, you know, uh, editing the pictures. But that, you know, so why is Photoshop evil? I'm sorry, why is it evil? It's because you don't know it. And it's the same with woodworking. When you enter into woodworking, everyone's got, look at my chisels and all the rest. And that's fine, I, no problem. You should learn how to use chisels, et cetera. And, uh, uh, you know, I've done all of that. Um, but I also learned CNC, which is computer controlled cutting of wood. And if I'm going to cut out a piece, uh, you know, a chair, I want six of them um, and I want them to be the same. Um, to not use a computer, I think it's a mistake because you can cut in three dimensions. You can, you can just do so much work um, accurately and quicker, but you do have to learn how to use a computer. And if you're a woodworker that just won't embrace computers, um, I, don't know if, if, I don't know if that's really the future. I think, I think you're, you're just getting stuck in the past. And so embracing, uh, you can also, you could learn it and then say, this isn't for me. Like, this isn't the best way to do it. I've got a better way to do it. Great. Um, but the, the, there's an amazing amount of people out there that just put the blinders on and go, I don't want to know about this. This is, this is evil. And I'm going to just work with my chisel here for 18 hours. I remember once taking a class where they had a saw for six hours by hand. And I, I just was like, I could get this done in minutes with an electric saw. And, and, and you won't let me use an electric saw because that's against the rules somehow. But, you know, do you want to do six hours of sawing by hand or, you know, three minutes of sawing with an electric, with an electric saw? Um, and so, you know, I'm sorry, I'm moving with the times. And, and I, love, I love to think about now that you've got this ability to use the technology, what can you do with three-dimensional cutting and things like that that, that would have just been an absolute nightmare to do by hand? Yeah, those are some really great points. Um, so we have a few minutes left. Um, what, if you had some quick advice you could give a merchant right now, what what would you give them? What kind of nugget would you give them going into 2022? 
I think um, for me, the most important thing is to, is first of all, um, to work out what your brand really is. Like, what are you building? What are you really if money was no object? So what what is that full? Don't, don't say, look, we're making this one product. That's a terrible idea because now you're, you've got um, very low average order value. Work out what your vision for your brand really is and, and then find a way, by all means, build the things you can afford to build and the things that you can't afford to build, you can, you can partner with other brands, but ultimately then you can present your, your vision for your brand correctly. That also helps a lot with SEO because now you're covering all of the different things that your brand really means. So, you know, people are gonna, um, uh, are gonna find you based upon the things that, 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 that really um, are part of that. Secondly, you need to start thinking about how are you going to work with influencers? Um, people go, oh, but I paid for this platform or something. And, and that's, that's not gonna, that doesn't mean anything. Like, what are you actually getting done working with people with massive awareness? How are you getting to them? How are you working with them? And then thirdly, you need to really think hard about um, social. It's not a case of just paying for some ads. It's, it's how are you creating ads that work with social? So um, it's funny, something like TikTok, putting a boring ad into TikTok is, the, is just the worst mistake ever. Putting something clever into TikTok, you don't even need to pay to promote it. It's just going to go, right? And so what I love to see is um, is people thinking about how their product can sell itself, um, meaning that quite a lot of times people are seeing your content with the audio turned off. So having some some you know advert role is not going to work. But seeing the product being used and and, it, and 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 being able to understand how cool it is just by seeing how it's being used is is, is what's going to get people to click. I I I need that for myself. And the, if you just get that combination right. Um, it can, you know, you can just light up your sales because you've, you've managed to let the product speak for itself. And so, um, you know, and then if, if you have influencers involved in that in some way, it just adds even more uh, potential to it. But I think ultimately that's the thing that I, when I look at brands and you look at what they create as adverts, you're like, well, I can see why you're having a problem. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I, I totally get it. This isn't compatible with today. Today. Uh, it's funny because I, I watched, a, a, there was an influencer here uh, just a few days ago. He had, he was about 4 million followers and he was watching a video. Um, it was it was one that my wife had made and it had like a whole uh, um, uh, a whole song. And he's like, no one listens to a whole song. What are you doing? Like, no one's going to sit and listen to a three minute song. You have 30 seconds. And... And, and so, you know, these people understand that, but, but a lot of people don't understand. You don't have three minutes to sit there and go on and on and on. You've got 15 seconds or 30 seconds at max, and, and this thing needs to sell itself. If you understand that, you're going to drive a lot more traffic into your store. And again, if you, if you can create a lot of traffic, you're going to be able to get a lot more partners that want to share in your traffic and want to be part of what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. That traffic is is so important. And just on a side note, I am not a I don't sell anything on I, I do have Instagram and TikTok. My most viewed videos are on Jack Russell puppies. We have a Jack, there you go. We had a Jack Russell puppy and oh my God, they got so, Boom. Much, so many views. It was crazy. It wasn't a million views, but it was certainly more than I normally get on my typical Instagram or TikTok post. So that the content is key. And uh, you are exactly right, especially on TikTok. You have to be creative and you have to be precise and, and succinct. And then people will start watching it and doing something from it. Um, uh, so 
we have a couple, we, you know, as we close out here, I always give people a chance to do a shameless plug. So you can plug anything you would like. Well, obviously, I'd love people to come and try Caro out. It's free. Um, the website is getcaro.com, G-E-T-C-A-R-R-O.com. And um, there's, you know, the, the whole influencer piece is free. The cross-selling is, is uh, initially free. Uh, we have a trial. And uh, if you're a supplier, it's free um, forever. So that's, that's basically, uh, I would say, kind of, you should probably take a minute and check it out. It's on Shopify today. We will be adding it to the other platforms, of course, in the future. Um, but for now, we, we just wanted to sort of prove this all out. And, and that's why we focused on that platform. But, um, but you know, if, uh, if you give it a try, that would be great. And, and, by all, and also reach out to our team. Our team will be very happy to help you with uh, finding partners and finding products to sell. Um, or to get more people to sell your products. So definitely reach out to our team. And to do that, you just email them hello at getcaro.com. So hello at getcaro.com. Ask them any questions you want. And please mention this podcast and they will give you VIP support. That's Perfect. it for me. And I will put all these in our show notes. And uh, David, uh, I appreciate your time today. David Perry is the CEO of Caro, a e-commerce networking platform that is on Shopify influencers branding uh, influencers um, and and getting people to cry I, I love what you're doing I think it's fantastic upsell cross-sell between brands it's fantastic thank you for being here today well, thanks for inviting me talk commerce is supported by the Magento Association join today at magentoassociation.org forward slash join Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been my pleasure to be your host today. Please rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce, new shows out every week.